You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I am your host, JJ Link. We're going to be talking about wide receivers again today. I think this is probably the last time we're going to do so. Um, we have other positions we need to dig into, but um, I, I'm i not really doing a ranking, per se, of who my top favorite wide receivers are. At least not one that I'm going to put on the podcast. I'll, I'll have one for myself. But, and by the way, I apologize that my voice sounds like this. I have been trying to get over this cold for forever, and I just I can't kick it. Um, multiple days now I have tried to record a podcast and just couldn't even get words out. That's how bad my voice was. But today we have enough that we can hopefully do something. But apologies in advance for if my voice sounds annoying. Okay. What I'm doing here with these wide receivers, we had Brian Moffey on last week uh, to talk about the Packers thresholds and we have some more information now about some of these players thanks to the pro days. So we have some updated numbers on some of these guys who maybe didn't do some of the agility drills at the combine, that kind of stuff. So, but today we're going to take this one step further and what we're going to do is we are going to borrow from John Meerdink's rubric system. He was a guest on this podcast a year ago talking about the draft <clears throat> He's the host of the Blue 58 podcast over the power sweep. I highly recommend it. And what he does, and, and uh, John will tell you if you ask him, although I think he's selling himself short a little bit, John will tell you that he's not really a draft guy. But I like the way his brain works, and he has come up with a system that um, has done a pretty decent job of being predictive of what sort of player is going to translate well to the NFL and uh, and what the Packers are going to like in a guy. And so we're going to marry his system with the thresholds that we got from Brian Moffey uh, on last week's pod. And we're going to talk about these receivers who not only meet the athletic profile, but also have just the uh, the film grades and the college production to make you go ahead and take a swing on them uh, in the draft as a Packers prospect. And again, we're doing wide receiver today. What we're doing, and, and this is how John approaches every position, is he has a rubric that takes your athletic profile and your college production and uses that to split you into three tiers. So tier one is guys who are both athletic and productive. Tier two is guys who are only athletic, but did not meet his minimum threshold for college production. And then tier three is just guys who only met that production level, but were not fully athletic. So your shorthand, 
Tier one is athletic and productive. Tier two is just athletic. Tier three is just productive. And that's kind of how he breaks down just about every position is along those three lines. So we're going to do that today with wide receiver. And I have, I think, 11 guys in the uh, tier one of both athletic and productive. And then there there are some asterisks of guys who we just still don't have enough information about about their athletic profile. So this is going to be guys like Quentin Johnston who like didn't do anything at the combine. I don't know if TCU has had their pro day or, or not yet, but I know we we still don't have any agility um, measurements for Quentin Johnston. Also, we he just as far as athletic profile goes, he's just a big old incomplete. We just don't know. You know, you can watch his tape and say, "Yep, he looks fast. Yep, he looks explosive." And if you trust your eyeball enough to make that pronunciation you know, more power to you. I have to give him an incomplete grade as far as athleticism goes. We just don't know enough. So we can look at what he did um, from a production standpoint, and you can look at the grades that he got from Pro Football Focus, about how well he played, and then you can just use your eyeball and decide how athletic you think he is, and everybody is pretty impressed with him as an overall athlete. But we just don't know. And we don't know, is his 40 time good enough? We don't have a lot of his measurements and stuff. Actually, let me see specifically what are his measurements uh, that we do have. And we just know his hand size, 9.625, which is fantastic. Arm length, 33.625. That's fantastic. We know his height. He's six foot two. That's well above with the minimum. Um, it's not super tall, but it's certainly above the minimum. Weight, 208. That's fine. We have his vertical and broad jump, 40.5, which is great, and uh, 11.02, which is great. That's all we have. We don't know how fast he is. We don't know how agile he is. We don't know how, how explosive he is. So incomplete grade. I think it's safe to assume that he is at least bare bones good enough in those categories to not take him off your board. Um, he is on my board. He is uh, one of my top wide receivers. Um, and maybe the Packers have access to more information than we do. You know, for example, I remember when the Rams drafted Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup's combine 40 time was really poor. It was like a 4.6 or 4.65 or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but it was bad. <clears throat> but the Rams used GPS tracking satellite tracking to determine how fast he was running in game. And they said, Oh, you know, he's fast enough. And of course, you know, he gets to the NFL and he's running past everybody because your 40 time <clears throat> is not the be all and end all. It's a, it's not just a pure measurement of how fast you are. It's a measurement of how fast you are at running the 40 yard dash. So, all right, I'm starting to ramble on too much. Uh, the one thing I do want to touch on real quick here is some uh, evidence for the fact that these rubrics do hold up. Remember, these are the tiers, your tier one, two, and three. When you look at last year, the 2022 Packers draft, I put I put some stock into PFF's grades. All right, so for example... Of the first seven players taken, so this is round five and earlier, we did not have any sixth round 
draft picks at all. And we picked four guys in the seventh round. And that's obviously you, you have a different strategy there. You're looking for guys who are going to be special teams contributors. I think you don't care so much about their athleticism or about their college production. It's more just like, you know, do you have some tools that we can use uh, particularly on special teams? So we're going to throw out the seventh round and not count it at all. Looking at rounds one through five, there's uh, seven players that were taken. The lowest graded player of those seven was Quay Walker. He had a 72.1 grade, which is still a good PFF grade, but it's much lower than the second lowest, which was Romeo Dobbs at 81.5. So about like a nine point difference between those two guys. And um, everybody who was taken, with the exception of we don't know what Romeo Dobbs' RAS was because he, his measurements were just incomplete. But take Romeo Dobbs out of the equation because we don't know what his RAS is. Everybody who was taken for rounds one through five had at a minimum an 8.2 RAS. And if you take Sean Ryan out of the equation, it's at a minimum 9.6 RAS. Now, there's one guy who does not fit what I just said, and that is Kingsley and Agbar. Kingsley and Agbar had a very high PFF grade, an 88.5. He was an extremely productive player in college. But his RAS was a 6.2. Now, that's above average. An average is actually a 4. But the Packers really tend not to take swings at you unless you have at least a 6. The exception here would be John Ford, who they took in the seventh round, who I just don't understand why they drafted John Ford. I don't get it. He, the only thing in the world that he's good at is blocking for field goals. And they didn't use him for that as a rookie. So I don't know why he's on the roster. I don't get it. But Kingsley and Agbar would fall into that tier three of guys who were productive but not athletic. You know, you're really looking for like an eight or better, at least, at least like a seven or better in terms of athleticism, and he just didn't meet that. So tier one is guys who are athletic and productive. So Quay Walker fits that. Devontae Wyatt and Christian Watson both fit that. Um, even Sean Ryan technically meets the threshold. He's he's on the cusp, but technically he does fit it. And then, we, again, we don't know about Romeo Dobbs. Zach Tom, productive and athletic. These guys were all taken um, before... Kingsley Nagbar. And I, I would argue that a guy who maybe falls outside of that <clears throat> would be Romeo Dobbs because he was not super productive in college. Um, but he was, as far as we can tell, he is extremely athletic. We just don't know what his RAS is. But that would put him in like tier two. And so Kingsley Nagbar, even though he was a, a, a very, very productive player in college, and I thought he was very, very good. His athleticism was low enough that he fell to the back of the fifth round before the Packers took him. And I had him as like a second round prospect, but that didn't matter because his athleticism was so poor that the Packers really waited a long time to swing on him. So I, I think that these rubrics are helpful. And um, also there's situations where you're going to say, okay, well, we're in the fifth round. You're going to take swings on guys who are outside of tier one. By the time you get to um, the fifth round. Now, having said that, Samori Toure it was a tier one uh, prospect by the rubric. He fit every uh, measurable that they needed. He was productive and athletic 
in college. However, in terms of like overall talent evaluation, all 32 teams in the NFL decided that he was not worth more than a very late seventh round pick, just that he was not really a very polished and, and, you know, good football player that that upside baby just really wasn't there, but he meet all the criteria and or met all the criteria. And I think that this is, you know, a, a good example of how, Using all this information here can still lead you to some specific names that the Packers may be taking swings on late in the draft. And I th- you know, that's, that's really important. Like, um, you know, Quentin Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jigba are big names and you're all very excited about them. And so am I, but we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them on this podcast today because there's a bunch of, you know, my, like the more Romeo Dobbs and Samori Toure type players in this draft class that don't get talked about a lot and are worth highlighting and exploring because, you know, that type of player still ends up on Packers roster at the end of the day. So we're going to dig into this. Um, I'm going to take just a moment here and shout out my Patreon. If you want to support this podcast, um, you know, I know that times are tough and some people who have been long time supporters on Patreon have just not financially been able to continue to do so recently. And I totally understand that. And I'm super grateful for the support that I have received, um, you know, leading up to now from you guys. But if you are a listener of this podcast and have not supported the show in any way, but would like to patreon.com slash JJ Leahy, L A H E Y. You can buy me a cup of coffee over there. Um, help make this podcast continue to be possible. And if you don't like Patreon, shoot me a message um, on Twitter or wherever. And there's, you know, other stuff, uh, cash app, Venmo, that kind of stuff as well. If you want to support the show. Okay. Jackson Smith and Jigba is a tier one prospect for me. Now, having said that Jackson and a few other guys who are in tier one are on the border on some of these thresholds that we talked about with Brian. So for, for JSN arm length, 30 and a half inches, that's way below what is acceptable. Now he checks the box in every other category across the entire board. So I left him on here because I don't know how the Packers feel about a 30 and a half inch arm. Is that something where they're like, sorry, man, we're just, (laughs) We're just not touching you. You're, you've got these little T-Rex arms and that's, you know, basically useless in our eyes. I don't know. Do they put that much stock in it? His 40 time was fine. It was not great, but it was certainly not disqualifying. Um, his agility drills when he did the three cone and the shuttle, those were fantastic. Um, just like out of this world, great shuttle time, 3.93. I mean, is there anybody even on this list who's under a four? I see a couple of 4.1s, but that's it. So JSN at 3.93, amazing. Um, weight is a little bit lighter and his height is a little bit shorter, but neither one of those are below the thresholds. They're just, you know, on the cusp. We're looking for 5'11". He's six foot and a half inch. We're looking for 190 pounds. He's 196. So he's borderline, but not, you know, nothing that really concerns you. Um, in fact, across the board, um, the only things that really stick out for JSN as negatives are his RAS is 
lower than anybody else in tier one at an 8.29. Now we're looking for an eight or better. So this again is fine, but it is lower. Just about everybody else who's in tier one is a nine or higher. In fact, there's a lot of high nines, like 9.97, but uh, there's a couple of eights in here. There's an eight, six, four and an eight. Uh, where's the other one? Eight, eight, nine, one. So eight, two, nine for JSN is the lowest. <clears throat> He's also, his run blocking grade is not good. It's 56.6, which is below average. That is something that he could improve. Um, he's not too small to be able to run block. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to want to. How much do you want to run block? And you know, if that's something that the Packers are really preaching and he starts to really see the value of that, that's something he could throw himself into and improve. But the arm length is the, the one really big red flag. You know, is that something that is going to really concern the Packers to where maybe they wouldn't take him in, you know, the first or second round based on that? You know, that's that's worth wondering. Also, here we go. Uh, it was Jack Brentnall, I think. Yeah, here we go. Jack Brentnall tweeted out, seeing a lot of people caring, comparing the slot-only conversation around JSN to the one we had about Justin Jefferson. And I believe it's a false equivalence. Jefferson played 77 0.5% of his sophomore snaps on the boundary and had 875 yards. JSN had 88 boundary snaps in three years. He also went on to say JSN has 30 and half inch arms, which is the 14th percentile while Jefferson had 33 inch arms, 79th percentile. There aren't many guys winning as boundary receivers in the NFL with that length. And those that do are either much bigger or much faster than JSN. This is not to say JSN can't be useful on the boundary in the NFL, but one, he'd be a major outlier. And two, we have no real reason to assume he can. So there's that. I just want to throw that out there. I thought that was a good observation by Jack Brennell. All right, we're done with um, JSN. We're going to move on to the other a uh, guy that you've heard a ton about, and that is Rasheed Rice. We're not going to spend a ton of time on any of these really big name guys because you can find all the information out there in the world about these guys. But these are the big names. These are the guys who could be taken early by the Packers. It's JSN. It is Rasheed Rice. It's probably Quentin Johnson. Uh, it's probably A.T. Perry. These are some of the, the really big name guys. Rasheed Rice and A.T. Perry, I think we'll kind of do at roughly about the same time here, just kind of hammer them out both pretty early because I, I really want to get into some of these more depth guys that you haven't really heard of. But Rasheed Rice, you know, he went to SMU. This is a school that the Packers do like to target, uh, both in the draft and in free agency. A.T. Perry, of course, went to Wake Forest. That's where we drafted Zach Tom out of last year. Both graded out extremely well. Um, as receivers, and actually um, had good run blocking grades. Rasheed Rice had a 74.9 run blocking grade, A.T. Perry 69.3. They're very different types of players, don't get me wrong, but they're similar caliber of players in terms of how much they're probably going to be valued by the NFL. I think that they're going to go within probably two rounds of each other at a max. Now, Wide receiver OPS is a stat that I have borrowed from uh, Paul Noonan over at Acme Packing Company. I was turned on to it by John Meerdink. This is um, this is how John Meerdink classifies production. So remember, we're looking for productive and athletic. This is how he determines productive. So this is a proprietary statistic that Paul Noonan invented. 
I will just brag about the fact that I cracked his formula, so I have it for myself. Uh, but kudos to Paul for the excellent work that he continues to do over Acme Packing Company, coming up with more and more fantastic metrics that we can use to evaluate players. He's got, uh, you know, uh, stats that'll measure quarterback production, you know, you name it. But we're using this wide receiver OPS. You're looking for an eight or better, a point eight or better. Now, Rasheed Rice and A.T. Perry are actually both right on the cusp. Uh, 0.83 for Rasheed Rice and 0.82 for A.T. Perry. Now, kind of keep in mind, um, like 0.6 and lower is just straight up bad. 0.8 is where you're like, all right, yep, that's fine. You're good. But it's nothing to really brag about. 0.9 or higher is brag worthy. And then point like a 1.0 or higher is really, really good. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now I'm only using his 2021 stats for this because he just did not play in 2022. And I think that the 2022 information that you get out of the, you know, uh, three and a half quarters of football that he played total across three games. I think that that information is like basically useless, especially when you talk to his teammates and his coaches and they're, they say like, yeah, the little bit that you saw him out there in 2022, he didn't look like himself. Okay. We're just going to say he didn't play in 2022. 2021, he had a 1.06 wide receiver OPS. That is just freaking fantastic. It blows everybody else basically out of the water. Uh, so 0.83 and 0.82 for Rasheed Rice and A.T. Perry. They're both very athletic. Uh, Rasheed Rice, 9.52. A.T. Perry, 9.84. They are uh, both decently bigger guys. Rasheed Rice is shorter and stockier. Six foot, 204 pounds. A.T. Perry, 6'3", 198 pounds. Now, I think that Rasheed Rice is just kind of this well-rounded, across-the-board, fantastic wide receiver. A.T. Perry, to me... A little bit more of like a short area bowling ball, which is kind of strange to describe a tall, skinny guy as like a bowling ball. But I just, it's kind of how I view him. He's like a, just a move the chains kind of guy. Um, catches a lot of passes that he then takes right to the first down marker. He's just got a nose for the first down marker. And it seems to me that whenever he finds that first down marker, like at that point, he's like, okay, my job is done. You can tackle me now. And if you try and tackle him after just like a two-yard gain, he's going to fight for like eight yards after the catch. But if you tackle him for a 10-yard gain, he's just going to go down immediately. <laughs> I, I I just think it's weird when I watch him, and he just he fights like crazy until he gets to the first down marker, and then he just goes down like immediately when you're trying to tackle him. I just think that's funny. Um, they both have nice long arms, big hands, uh, they both ran respectable, but not amazing 40 times. This is uh, true of like actually most of our top wide receivers, um, in tier one here. So you got like a four, five, two for JSN, a four, five, one for Rasheed Rice, a four, four, seven for AT Perry. None of those are like disqualifyingly slow, but they're nothing to brag about either. As far as the three cone and the shuttle go, uh, Rasheed Rice was respectable on both of those. He was within the thresholds we're looking for. And then A.T. Perry did not participate, so we don't know what his three-cone or shuttle is. Um, the one maybe red flag to think about with these two guys is that A.T. Perry is an older guy. He's going to be 23 and a half 
on draft day. He's going to be, he's going to turn 24, just like a, you know, a month or so, uh, two months into his, uh, rookie season in the NFL. He's been 24 years old. So older guy, it's not the end of the world, but, um, you know, something to, to monitor. And by the way, remember how I was, I was describing A.T. Perry as like he just kind of goes down on contact as soon as he gets that first down marker. This dude's yak is so low compared to everybody else who's up here in, you know, in these top wide receivers like Jackson Smith and Jigba, 8.3 yards after catch per reception. Rasheed Rice, 6.2. Want to guess where A.T. Perry is? Two. He has two yards after the catch per reception. Um, very productive, very productive, um, college wide receiver. And I think that that chain mover is, uh, you know, uh, skill set that he brings is very valuable. He didn't have any fumbles this year, which I like. He did have eight drops. So that is on the high end. Uh, he went 44% on contest- contested catches. Rasheed Rice is 48.5. Jackson Smith and Jigba, by the way, 90% on, on contested catches. So there's that. Make sure this is a percentage. Yeah, it is. Um, missed tackles forced. A.T. Perry, only five. Rasheed Rice, 18. Jackson, 19. Uh, and then the other stat here is yards per route run. This is where A.T. Perry is still competitive. 2.57 yards per route run. Now, that's nowhere near as good as JSN's 4.01, but nobody else approaches uh, 4.01. There's a guy, uh, David Cormier out of Air Force. Uh, he is a tier three prospect for us, productive, but not athletic. And he had a 4.25 yards per hour run. But other than that, nobody else really gets close. Okay. Um, so now that we're done with like the big name guys that you all know, let's talk about some smaller name guys. who I think are still very real prospects for the Packers. The first guy we're going to get into is Michael Wilson. He's a tier one prospect for us in terms of athleticism and production, a little bit lower grades across the board, 74.5 overall grade, 72 receiving grade, good run blocker, 73.4. His RAS is 9.54. Kind of across the board, we mostly like everything he does. His short shuttle is not great, but it's not disqualifying. It's a 4.27. We're really looking for a 4.25, but Brian Moffey told us last week that this is kind of one of the lesser important stats. As far as arm length goes, he's kind of got the JSN T-Rex arm thing going on. Short arms. He also um, just doesn't have that top end speed. He's very uh, explosive, if you will. All right, he can accelerate really quickly, but then his top end speed is not great. Four five nine forty would make him the slowest wide receiver that Brian Gutekunst has ever drafted, but it's also a small sample size, and so you know how much stock do you want to put into that? I think that Michael Wilson is a guy who they absolutely would be willing to take, but probably not until some later rounds. Um, here is a. Uh, scouting report written by uh, Tristan Scogan over at Cheesehead TV. The Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson scouting report for the 2023 NFL draft. I'm going to skip down to the end. He's got a section called Fit with the Packers that I really like. Wilson has the potential to develop into a quality receiver in the NFL, but some patience will be needed to get him there. 
Injuries have kept him from developing at Stanford. He simply did not see the field as much as you'd like, especially in his final season. Those injuries are a definite concern, too, and whatever team drafts him will have to be comfortable with that red flag. He also has a strange athletic profile. Slow, but reaches that top speed quickly. He's agile, but not explosive. Big and strong, but with short arms. He's a little enigmatic, and that makes him difficult to project to the NFL. I like Mac Collins as a comparison, though I think Wilson has a higher ceiling. Wilson is slower than the wide receivers we've grown accustomed to in Green Bay. Uh, However, Wilson meets or is at least close to most other metrics that Green Bay seems to follow for wide receivers. And his run blocking is a non-athletic standard the Packers love. It's been difficult to get a real gauge on where Wilson could go. I've seen him anywhere from the second round to the fifth round. If I had to place a wager, I'd say the bottom of the second, early in the third by a team that really likes Wilson. And I don't think that will be the Packers. With that said, should Wilson be drafted by Green Bay, he'll see the field early as a gunner on special teams um, uh, and a run blocker, even if he isn't ready to produce as a pass catcher early. Wilson is an intriguing developmental prospect that could certainly, whoops, I lost my place. That could certainly what uh, become a starting caliber player and could be a reasonable target for Green Bay in the middle rounds if he is available. NFL mock draft database.com tracks where he is averaged in mock drafts um, just across the NFL landscape. And Wilson has been climbing. Um, Prior to February 14th, when he shot up to 119 overall, he was going in basically undrafted territory. Um, but uh, February 14th shot him up to 119, and he's kind of sat around roughly 100 to 120 ever since, which would put him in about a fourth-round prospect. So... Um, I kind of agree with the assessment that I don't think the Packers would reach to take him super early, but maybe they would. Um, he is highly athletic. He was productive in college. No huge red flags other than the short arms. Andre Yosevash. This is a player that uh, Brian Moffey highlighted for us when he was on the show. Oh, shoot. I got to take an ad break. We're going to do an ad break right now, and then we'll talk about Yosevash. I'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So Yosevash out of Princeton. Um, poor run blocker, 41.4. That's the only huge red flag that I see, and that's obviously something that you can teach. Um, he also has small hands, eight and three quarters inch hands. That would be substantially smaller than, um, anybody the Packers have drafted in recent years. But again, we don't really know how seriously they take that. So Devante, uh, was, had nine inch hands. Um, so this is a quarter inch smaller than what Devante had, but that's about it. You don't see anything else in Yosvash's profile that really concerns you. Uh, good grades, 83 overall, 85.7 as a receiver. That is second highest in Tier 1 behind only Jackson Smith and Jigba. One interesting thing about Yosavash and the next guy we're going to talk about, Jonathan Mingo, they have pass blocking grades. They actually took reps as pass blockers, uh, which is interesting. Jonathan Mingo played 130 snaps as a tight end. Uh, Yosavash played zero. I need to stop talking about Jonathan Mingo because we'll, we'll, we'll have we'll, he will have his time here for us to focus on him. But Yosavash, six foot three, two hundred five pounds, nice big guy with small hands, thirty two inch arms, nice four four three forty time. That's respectable. Uh, the three cone and the short shuttle were both fine. You're not really seeing anything in Yosavash's profile that would concern you. I think he is squarely on the Packers board. Uh, let's see, where does the uh, mock draft database have him? I got to spell Yosavash. I-O-S-I-V-A-S. All right, Yosavash. They have him, oh, nice and late. Oh, I like this. I think he's going to end up a Packer. I really do. So he is currently sitting at pick 200. It's 200 divided by 32. It is, uh, thinking, that is sixth round. I think the backers would take him sooner than that. He was productive. He had a .92 wide receiver OPS. Uh, this is, that is that is great. Uh, 9.95 athleticism, relative athletic score. I think this guy's a Packer. I think the Packers would be willing to take him in like the fourth round, maybe earlier. Um, just based on you know they they tend to reach on the guys that they really like you know and. They they lock in on some some traits and roles that they think that that a guy could play. You know, think of uh, AJ Dillon and Josiah Aguara. I think Yosavash is a guy they probably will go ahead and lock in on. Let's read some scouting reports on him. Um, I am going to read this one from the Draft Network, even though um, they're kind of hurting right now as far as um, they don't have uh, a ton of their scouts over there at the moment anymore. A bunch of people have left the draft network, but we're still going to start with them. Um, top reasons to buy in. This is a very bare bones profile, but we're just going to start here just to kind of form a picture and we'll read some other ones. Top reasons to buy in elite athletic profile, size and strength, ball skills, um, uh, yak ability, top reasons for concern. Um, so he played at Princeton. The competition in college was not very high. Didn't run a diverse route tree in college. Well, neither did Christian Watson. And they're also saying that his perimeter blocking is not the greatest, uh, which is surprising to me because he's a tall, relatively heavy guy. Uh, I feel like this is something that he can be taught. 
ideal role, starting X receiver, given manufactured touches and used in all three levels of the field. Scheme fit, any, any offense. Prospect comparison, Christian Watson. Ho, 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 ho. Interesting. The Draft Network consensus grade, 80.5, parentheses, second round value. I'm telling you, man, I think this guy's going to be a Packer. Unless somebody else also keys in on him early, I think this dude is going to be wearing green and gold. Uh, let's see some uh, comments here. The only deficiencies I can find in his game is a little stiffness in his bend at the top of his stick and comeback routes. I'd also like to, like to see him more competitive and physical in his blocking on the perimeter. With all this being said, only time will tell how well Yosfash will be received by NS, NFL executives. The Senior Bowl will... Okay, well, the Senior Bowl was a while ago. Let's look at a different... Uh, a different profile. Like I said, the draft network is kind of in a rebuild mode at the moment. Let's look at NFLDraftBuzz.com. I like what they do. Uh, let's see here. Scouting reports strengths. Let's start with the weaknesses, actually, because we've kind of only covered his his strengths right now, and we're really excited about him. Weaknesses. Yosevash has only ever played against subpar competition in the Ivy League, and while it's fair to say you can only beat the players in front of you, he also never totally dominated. Okay, well, I said that 3,000 times about Christian Watson, and the Packers didn't care about that at all. I thought that Christian Watson only played garbage competition in his college career, and the Packers were 0% concerned about that. Another weakness. He has not displayed the kind of separation you would expect for an athlete with that kind of timed speed. He struggles against press coverage, lets defenders get into his pads, killing his routes. Ran a very limited route tree at Princeton. Well, again, so did Christian Watson. So I'm thinking if we could teach Christian Watson, we can teach uh, Yosevash. He did go to Princeton. He's a smart kid, <laughs> theoretically. Does not always use his hands to secure deep throws, allowing the ball into his pads and chest. He's more fast than quick, and he's not particularly twitchy. Let's look at his uh, strengths again here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of skip any that we've already talked about. Oh, here's one that I, I totally forgot to even cover. He made Feldman's Freak list for 2022. He was 15 overall as a Feldman's Freak. Um, if you don't know what that is, Bruce Feldman puts together a list every year of the guys that he considers to be the freakiest athletes in college. So I always like taking a look at this list. And actually, he's the... Only tier one player to make a Feldman's freak list, either for 2021 or for 2022. We have several guys in tier two. Remember, that's athletic but not productive. Looks like uh, four guys made the list there at 32, 61, 68, and 77. But Yosef here made the list at 15. So he's the 15th freakiest freak on Feldman's list for 2022. Okay. Glad that we covered that. Um, so this is the same report that said that he doesn't use his hands well on uh, to secure deep throws. So this exact same report also mentions he has reliable hands and shows the willingness to make catches in traffic over the middle. Uh, more pros. Strong runner with the ball with enough agility to make defenders miss in the open field. Has a tall frame and long arms, plus strong hands, giving him a huge catch radius. He plays with a smoothness and a balance, and he shows a knack for setting up defensive backs. I'm telling you, man, ah, just bring on draft day. This, this guy is a Packer. I really think this is going to happen. 
I will be really surprised if they don't take him. And this might be, you know, your second round pick, honestly. Um, and and I just I just think that it's important to talk about Yosavash because he is not mocked in the second round, and I think he probably is second round talent. I think he is. I, I don't know why you wouldn't take him in the second round. Um, you know, the fact that he went to Princeton seems to be the big knock here. But we tried to draft Christian Watson in the first round, and we did draft him in the second round. You know, it seems like the Packers, obviously they do prefer that you play against good competition. That's why they keep drafting Georgia guys and Ohio State guys. Um, But uh, it's clearly not a necessity. I I just think that you need to go watch a bunch of Yosavash tape. Because if we take him in the second round, I want you guys going, yes, steal. The Packers found a guy that the other teams in the league missed. I think that needs to be your attitude because I think that he really is a steal. I think the Packers are going to lock on him early. And I would be surprised if they let him fall out of like the third round. You know, if the, if the Packers take him in like, in like the fourth round, I think your jaw should drop. <laughs> I think that this is a guy that they're going to take in the third or, or even the second round. So. Just go watch some tape. He's fun to watch. I think he brings a lot to the team. I think that this is going to be, um, you know, Christian Watson uh, light. All right. You got Christian Watson and then you got like diet Christian Watson. I think that these two guys, um, you know, you, you have them run on opposite sides of the field. <laughs> and I, I think that I think you can really make some hay with these guys. Um, do I still want to add? A guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba or A.T. Perry, who's just a chain mover? Absolutely, I do. But I think Yosavash is a Packer, and and I think that you should prepare yourself for that by getting excited about him because there's a lot to be excited about here. All right, Jonathan Mingo. This is a guy who gets talked about a ton right now. He is absolutely catching Packers Twitter um, on fire right now. They love the guy. He's currently projected to be a fourth-round pick, but that has been climbing ever since March 1st. Um, the highest that he ever ranked, I'm not sure what day it was because it was that was prior to early December, but the highest he's ever ranked is uh, 58, which of course would be the back of the second round. Uh, but in January, he was still going back to the second round. Uh, and then he really took a tumble in just the average mock draft uh, placement in mid-February, dropping down to nearly 200 and kind of was forgotten for about a month. But starting about March 1st when he bottomed out at 200, he's been steadily climbing. He's uh, averaging at uh, pick, f- uh, uh, pick five in the fourth round, which is 115 overall. Um, but that I don't think is going to stay. I think he's going to continue to climb. I think he probably finishes um, by draft day as being projected to be about a third round pick. So we'll see where he actually ends up. Um, I do think that this guy checks a lot of boxes for the Packers. Uh, overall offensive grade, 76.9. Receiving grade, 78.7. Uh, run blocking is just average. Uh, very athletic, 9.97 RAS. He was productive at a 0.9 wide receiver OPS. Remember, we're looking for a 0.8 or better. And then 0.9 or better is kind of that like freak territory. Well, it's, it's the very good freak territory. 1.0 or greater is the freak territory. But he's at 9, uh, 0.908, so we're very happy with that. 
Uh, I did mention he took 130 snaps as a tight end for Ole Miss. He is six foot one, nearly six foot two, weighs 220 pounds. This is a, a bigger, stockier guy. <clears throat> At times, he kind of reminded me of a much more athletic Traylon Burks. Haven't heard anybody else make that comp, though, so don't put a ton of stock into that. That's just kind of what he made me think of. Um, also, at times, I kind of saw Michael Thomas in him, but, you know, I saw some Michael Thomas and Traylon Burks comparisons as well. And I think that, I think for me, it kind of has to do with the way you run. You know, if you got kind of these guys who lean forward a lot and have like a long torso, that to me is kind of what kind of links these three guys together just in there and, and then being heavier and, and, you know, Tall and heavy. Um, anyways, those are just the, the things that made me think of of those com- comparisons. Uh, Ten and three eighths inch hands, nice big hands, long ish arms, not super long, but it's totally long enough. Uh, Forty time was four four six. Uh, Mingo did not participate in the three corner of the shuttle, so that's a red flag for me that I don't know how. Uh, his agility testing panned out. Nice young kid, 22 years old. Uh, let's dive into a scouting report and see what kind of player they describe him as. And, and again, like I said, he's been shooting up uh, the uh, mock draft boards, especially for Packer fans. So I would guess that a lot of you guys have already watched some of his highlights. I encourage you to watch some games as well. But let's see what the uh, scouting reports have to say when they are summing him up. We're going to start with Pro Football Network. Areas for improvement. Route tree was limited at times with frequent hitches, screens, and vertical concepts. Long speed, long speed might be slightly less than elite, sometimes failing to erase cushions. He is competent laterally, but doesn't have elite stop and start ability in space. Hip sync and flexibility on deep comebacks can be underwhelming. Um, everything else that they're talking about, you know, it has to do with kind of some like, uh, just, just some, you know, between the ear stuff, just like kind of hesitating at times in a lot of ways has to do that, you know, it's maybe isn't like second nature yet that I, I think that this is stuff that p- continued practice and teaching will help smooth over. I think that this is a guy who has absolutely top end potential and just has some polishing that needs to happen. You know, you could, you could probably describe him as kind of raw, I think. Pro Football Network says Mingo grades out as a potential top 75 prospect, and he's in the conversation to be one of the top 10 wide receivers in the 2023 NFL draft. The author who wrote this, uh, Ian Cummings. We like Ian Cummings over here. Ian Cummings says, I'll be higher on Mingo than most, but all the physical tools are there for him to be a vital three-level component. Additionally, he has visible upside as a route runner. Let's talk about the strengths that they like. He carries a rare mass at wide receiver with ease and has exceptional catch radius. I, I do, I do love that he has so much bulk to him and yet it doesn't slow him down. He's a huge guy and he moves kind of like a small guy. I think instant accelerator twitched up athlete with snappy feet and short area mobility, elite catcher of the football with adept ball tracking control timing and coordination routinely secures passes with his hands and makes effortless high difficulty adjustments flashes surgical foot speed pacing and sharp flexibility through breaks as a separator plus sized speed demon with long track explosiveness to stack and separate downfield 
excellent run blocker who attacks defenders in space and drives downfield. Uh, let me look again at his profile. What red flags did we have about him? Any? I think just the uh, the fact that he didn't and couldn't participate in the agility drills. Jonathan Mingo, to me, another guy. Just circle him, underline him. This is a guy who you should be very, very excited about if the Packers draft him. We're going to get into some names that you have not heard of now. <laughs> I'll just read off the final five names in Tier 1. Justin Shorter out of Florida. Matt Landers out of Arkansas. Oliver Martin out of Nebraska. Antoine Green, North Carolina. Chase Coda, Oregon. So these are the final five guys in Tier 1. Now, I will point out to you that uh, Oliver Martin out of Nebraska, very poor grades overall. He was very productive. He had a .97 production grade. Um you know, super, super productive, very athletic, 9.15 RAS. But his grades were bad. Remember, 60 is average, and you don't want to be average, especially you don't want to be average in college because then you're going to be way below average in the pros. And he played at Nebraska, so he's competing in the garbage Big Ten West division. 57.4 overall grade. 58 receiving grade, 56.2 run blocking grade. Um, okay, what else? He is six foot tall, 199 pounds, so slightly smaller receiver, slightly small-ish hands, slightly short-ish arms. I would say the arms are short enough that they are a concern for me. Nothing else there was a concern. His 40 time was 4.53. That's a little bit slower than what we're looking for. The three cone was great. The short shuttle was great. Overall, I think that this is probably a very late prospect for the Packers. Uh, Oliver Martin. Uh, let me see here. I should have should have pulled this up here. Oliver Martin on NFL mock draft database, not ranked. So this is probably a guy that you would see in undrafted free agency. But keep the name Oliver Martin in the back of your head. This is a guy I think it would make sense for the Packers to have on their list of guys that they're interested in, but not spend a draft pick on them. Or at least not you know, any kind of a, a you know day two or early day three pick on. Uh, let's see, Matt Landers out of Arkansas. This is another guy that people talk about. Um, 69.6 overall grade, 72.3 receiving grade. Both are a little bit lower than what you'd love to see, but a very athletic 987. And then his production was 102. Very, very good. This is uh, like freak territory. Our friend Brian Moffey tweeted, Matt Landers, you are not MVS. So I replied to him and said, in a good way or a bad way? And he said, good. He's a lot better blocker coming out too. Uh, Matt, Landers, Matt Landers is a guy who has been compared to Christian Watson, not by me, just for the record, but he has been compared to both MVS and Christian Watson by other people. Landers is a big boy, six foot four, 200 pounds, small hands, but not horribly small hands, short arms, but not horribly short. Good 40 time, 437. You'll love to see that. He's definitely a burner. 6723 cone. By the way, when we did Yosavash, uh, the one thing, you know, if you're going to compare Yosavash and Christian Watson and say, where are they not the same? It would be that, that speed. 
Yosavash is a four four three guy, and Christian Watson was what four two two something crazy like that. So do keep that in mind. Forty time for Matt Landers four three seven. You love it. Uh, his short shuttle was not great. It was a four three four. So that's comfortably outside of what we're really looking for, and that is why he's lower on the list. He's also an older guy. He's almost twenty four years old today. He will be twenty. He's going to turn 24 like a month after the draft. I guess June. June is when he turns 24. Math is hard. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Uh, Matt Landers, let's read a scouting report on him. He's definitely a later round prospect. He's currently projected to go mm, middle of the fourth round. So not super late, but uh, he has climbed a lot recently since March 1st. Prior to that, he was ranking like the 500s. So uh, let's see. Here we go. This comes from Sports Illustrated, and this was written by by the Draft Bible, like the NFL Draft Bible. Okay. They have a sixth-round grade on him. They describe him as an explosive receiver, uh, tall and long, wide out. He can play the X at the next level. He is quick off the line of scrimmage, displaying an explosive first step. His release package is underdeveloped, but he has the ability to get off the line. For his size, Landers is very quick with the ability to create separation on short and intermediate routes. On deep routes, there is enough speed on Landers' film for him to stack cornerbacks and create separation. His route tree isn't developed, but his speed, quickness, and good enough change of direction on film shows he has the upside to having an advanced route tree. Right now, he struggles to get in and out of his breaks. He takes false steps and doesn't break down quickly enough. His issues with route running are more technique-based, but for an older prospect, they should be better at this point in his career. What's his age? Did I already talk about his age? Yeah, I did. Okay. He's 24. Going to be 24 in June. Couldn't remember if I'd covered that already. Uh, let's see. Uh, on contested catches, Lander's lack of play strength shows up. He doesn't have strong hands, allowing defenders to knock the ball out of his hands at the catch point. Downfield, Landers lacks the ability to track the football, and he missed some easier receptions because of it. Landers doesn't have natural hands and didn't make clean enough catches. On wide open receptions, Landers would either body catch it or bobble the ball. When contested, Landers usually would have the ball jostled loose. Let's just check what the stats say real quick. Matt Landers on contested catches... Uh, here we go. 40.9%. So, you know, you want them to be over 50%. Um, this is not bottom of the barrel, but it's, it's low ish for tier one. Uh, this would be the lowest contested catch rate among any of our tier one receivers. Um, do, 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 lacks physicality, shies away from contact. Uh, let's see. What was his run blocking grade? I'm curious about that. Run blocking for Matt Landers, 58, so below average. So all told, I think that this is a guy who would be a, an asset in your locker room. I wouldn't want to spend a super early pick on him just because I think that, you know, there's some development that needs to happen here. Um, he's not – he doesn't have a, a ceiling based on athleticism. You know, you, you, you should think that based on his – um, size, speed, athletic makeup, and how productive he was in college, you know, the, the ceiling should just be wherever his intelligence level is at. So, you know, is he a really smart kid? Can you teach him a lot of stuff? Can he retain it all, pick it up quickly? How, how good is his processing? 
he's he's a kind of a developmental guy for me. Sports Illustrated has a sixth round grade on him. Uh, I'm kind of feeling fifth round for me, but you know maybe the Packers. The, the other thing that you got to think about is when they talk to this kid in person and find out what kind of character or person he is. That's going to change how you evaluate the guy as well. If he just is a really good dude, seems like he would really benefit your locker room, you might like him a lot more. Um, and conversely, if he's kind of a hothead, um, you know, or doesn't come across as being that bright, take him down your board a little bit. So that's the kind of stuff we just have no idea about. Uh, already did Oliver Martin. So we have the last guy, last two guys here in tier one are Antoine Green out of North Carolina and Chase Coda out of Oregon. Now, Chase Coda has poor grades kind of across the board. Um, he's like just slightly above average in uh, overall. You know what? I think I'm being a little bit too simplistic. Let's back up. 67 receiving grade. Not terrible. 39 run blocking grade. That brings his overall grade down to a 64. And then he does have a pass blocking grade, which I just don't care about. And it's not that good, and it brings his grade down a little bit. But I just don't care. I don't want my wide receivers pass blocking anyway, so forget that. 39.2 run blocking grade is not good. 9.33 RAS is quite good. 0.88 production metric is okay. It doesn't blow me away. He's a bigger guy. 6'3", 201 pounds, big hands. Um... Average arms, a little bit slower, 4.51, 40-time. Uh, Three-cone was good, 6.89. You're looking for just under like a 7. And then 4.14, short shuttle is very good. You're looking for 4.25 or better. He's 4.14. That's quite good. I think that Chase Coda is maybe a guy that you are bringing in a lot more based on athletic makeup than production but he wasn't not productive. All right. He's still tier one for us, but he's definitely on the cusp. The grades aren't fantastic. The production in, in college was not mind blowing, but they were, are, they're all good enough. I think this is, you know, a guy that you take late and later in the draft, maybe fifth round or so based on his athletic makeup. And then Antoine green, Antoine green graded out quite well. He was very productive. He's not quite as athletic. This is the second least athletic guy in tier one uh, at eight, six, four. Um, but his production metric is through the roof. Uh, 1.009. That's definitely freak territory. Um, average size. He's six, one and a half, 199 pounds, small hands, average arms, um, not a great 40, but not terrible. 447. You want it to be better than 4-5, and it is. Uh very good three cone. Uh well, just good three cone. Um poor short shuttle, but again, that's not one that we care about a ton. Um Antoine Green, I have not watched at all. I have not even watched a highlight reel of this guy. Uh Antoine Green on mock draft database is going. I can spell Antoine. Is it O or I? It's Ant. I lost him. Antoine is O I N E. Antoine Green. He's currently sitting at uh, two seventy two. So you're definitely looking at a a late round pick here, at best. He's really flirting with undrafted territory. Um, 
So this is just a name to file away of they might take him at the back of the seventh round. We have a lot of seventh round picks, kind of like they did with Samori Toure. Or maybe this is like a uh, Bo Melton, Jeff Cotton type that you bring in uh, later in the year as a free agent. So keep those those three names um, at the back of your mind. Oliver Martin, Antoine Green, and Chase Cota. I think it's it's a pretty good bet that one or more of those guys ends up on the Packers roster one way or another. And of the three... I think Antoine Green is pretty clearly the most productive. He's the least athletic of the three, but still plenty athletic. I think he's probably the most valuable of those three guys. So those are your names for tier one wide receivers. And again, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to read the list of tier one guys that don't have any red flags at all. Rasheed Rice, A.T. Perry, Jonathan Mingo, Justin Shorter, Oliver Martin, Chase Coda, that's your list of guys with zero red flags of any kind. Uh, guys who are just kind of on the fringe in some of these mesh, uh, metrics or even just um, kind of on the wrong side of one, and then you just kind of wonder how much the Packers would care about just being on the wrong side of that one thing. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Michael Wilson, Andre Yosevash. Again, I think he's going to be a Packer. Uh, and then you got two guys who uh, we don't have the full uh, athletic – testing for is that right is that that what this means oh no we got two guys who just have poor short shuttles but everywhere else across the board they're fine that's matt landers and antoine green so those are your tier one guys who also um meet the packers thresholds i'm going to read off the list of guys to you who are in tier two and we're not going to get into them today and i probably will not get into them on the podcast at all i've talked about some of these guys in the past um, but these guys are guys that you should go uh, watch yourself. These are guys who are freak athletes and just uh, don't quite meet our um, our uh, college production metrics. So Cedric Tillman is the top of that list. Uh, you also got Dontavian Wicks, who is taking a visit with the Packers this week. Ronnie Bell out of Michigan, who I don't like at all, but whatever. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, kind of just a freak among freaks as far as athletes go. Not very productive in college. Rakim Jarrett, this is kind of one of my guys. I think he's kind of an insane person and player, and I love watching him play. Um, very unproductive in college. He actually is kind of like below the threshold of what you kind of consider to be acceptable, which uh, so was Dontavian Wicks. I mean, you know, technically all these guys fall into that territory in, in one way or another, but um, but Rockham Jarrett at point seven six, definitely on the low end. Um, Elijah Higgins, this is a guy who honestly almost made the cut, um, but his short shuttle was so bad that I kind of couldn't justify ignoring it. He had a four point five short shuttle. That's it's pretty disastrous. Um, and then just the fact that he didn't like leap off the page in any other area. He was not like a freak among freaks of athletes. Wasn't incredibly productive as a college receiver. Like he's good enough in every area. And then his short shuttle was just, you know, appallingly awful. He's like on the cusp of tier one for me. Um, I think that this is definitely draftable territory for Elijah Higgins. Um, but, you know, just would not be one of, like, the really top priority guys. Uh, Jacob Copeland, one of my favorite receivers in this draft class. 
um, out of Maryland. Uh, this dude to me is like MVS or not MVS, uh, Al Lazard, but like a better version of him. Um, not a terrible athlete, uh, definitely a productive guy. Um, I just like watching him play. I think that this is a guy who maybe you're not going to think about all the time, but he's kind of just consistently there and contributing. Um, very poor short shuttle for him. Uh, very small hands. This is, this might be the smallest hands of anybody that we talked about at any level here. Eight inch, five and or eight and five eighths inch hands. Very tiny hands. Jacob Copeland. I think this would be maybe, uh, you know, later pickup. Like a sixth round value. Let me see where he's going in mock drafts. Jacob Copeland. He's currently undrafted territory. Um, well outside drafted territory. So, uh, keep the name Jacob Copeland in mind for when, you know, UDFA comes around or, or maybe they love him, you know, for special teams type contribution for the seventh round. Keep that in mind. Uh, Michael Jefferson, out of Louisiana is the guy to keep in the back of your head. And then Grant Dubose out of Charlotte. Um, the, the big thing with him is just that his college production was poor as 0.77. That's, that's below what we're looking for. But everywhere else across the board, you know, his three cone was really bad, seven six two. His forty time was four five seven. His short shuttle was four five nine. So this is a guy, just not a real explosive or fast athlete across the board. But he's a he's a decently big guy, six foot two, two hundred one pounds, and he just kind of moves like kind of a bigger guy. And I think the Packers prefer a big guy who moves like a small guy, and that just is not really him. But Grant Dubose is a guy who is well-liked um, uh, in Green Bay Packers circles. So there you go. Uh, that is your list of guys to keep an eye on in the second round. So, uh, And then for guys who just had an incomplete grade, uh, Quentin Johnston um, is not excluded by any metric. We just, you know, he didn't do any testing, so we just can't rank him. Uh, Jordan Addison, I know a lot of you folks love him. Uh, he was definitely productive in college horrific RAS and before the RAS even came out, which is a five, eight, seven before that even came out. I just didn't like him as a college player. I, I never, ever, ever, ever liked him. He's a tiny guy. Once, uh, 171 pounds, five foot 11, uh, tiny hands, short, stumpy arms, not very fast. I just, I don't, there's not one thing I like about Jordan Addison and you know, people show like the highlight reels of him. And I'm like, dude, I don't even like his highlights, so I don't get it. Uh, Kayshawn Booty out of LSU, definitely character concerns around this guy, according to reports. Uh, poor run blocker, poor RAS, poor college production. I don't understand where the love for Kayshawn is coming from. Um, I just don't really see it for him, but he's a big name, so we're bringing him up. Parker Washington. Dude, Parker Washington's entire NFL draft resume comes from what he did against the Ohio State Buckeyes putrid secondary. I don't think he's that good of a football player. I, I don't get it with this guy. Um, incomplete uh, athletic testing, just okay production. He did have a good receiving grade. Um, it was his only good grade was his receiving grade. Small guy. Uh, 5'10", he's definitely heavier at 204, big hands, extremely short arms, 29 inches, 
Uh, not super fast. He's a four four nine forty, and then didn't. Uh, I don't have his athletic testing because I didn't care about it. Um, maybe it's out there, but I don't care about Park Washington, so I didn't fill it out. And Xavier Hutchinson is a guy I do like a lot when I watch him play. I think Xavier Hutchinson reminds me a ton of Drake London. I like uh, Xavier Hutchinson, and I am not taking him down my personal board at all. But as far as a fit with the Packers, you know, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, and his college production was definitely bordering on poor, 0.75 overall. Not super amazing. Um, six foot, two or three pounds, okay hands, short arms, slow. He ran a four, five, three. Uh, I don't think, did he do the agility testing? Let me see here. Yeah, he did. So poor short shuttle at four, three, five. That's definitely not good. His three cone was six, nine, one. That is good. Um, just overall, just a, a, you know, C level athlete, not a, not a fantastic athlete, but I just really like him a lot. I like the way he plays. To me, Xavier Hutchinson is still way up there on that list. Okay, that is the final word on me from wide receivers. These are the names that you should know. These are the names you should be thinking about. You got your Tier 1 prospects. You got your Tier 2 prospects. You got the guys who didn't really qualify um, based on limited information. I am not planning on talking about wide receiver anymore on this podcast for the 2023 NFL draft. I think we can put a bow on that. Uh, we got some more positions to get into, and I think we're going to prioritize tight end and edge rusher. And uh, running back is going to be an easy one, so we'll probably sandwich that into another pod as well. But that's why receiver is done. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see how many of these guys end up being Packers. I think mm, I would say feels likely that multiple of the names that we said today end up wearing green and gold at some point in the 2023 NFL season. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to get out of your hair. You have a fantastic week, and I'll talk to you soon here on the Packernet Podcast Network.